Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. Series, you okay there, Tim? Yeah. You good? The guitar isn't. The guitar isn't, but we're good. If there's any damage, if there's any damage resale, I'll buy you a new one. Charges to the church. Like I said, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter 5. Today, we're going to start in verse 22 and go to the beginning of chapter 6 together. Our sermon is entitled, This is Family. And uh, it's a very, very poignant passage in the book of Ephesians as we we talk about being together as family. I remember uh, just about a year and a half Actually, no, about two years ago now, uh, y'all, for those of y'all who are members here at Crossroads Community Church, I sat down with my good friend Larry Johnson, the former pastor here, and we sat down and we began to kind of dream about what a replant would look like, and we began to think about uh, what do we call it. And, uh, and then we came, uh, I think, number two or three on my list, and about number two or three or four on his, on Larry's list uh, was Family Church. And it just kind of, they were both near the top, and we were talking about it, and we were like, well, is this going to refer to the spiritual family? Is this going to refer to the nuclear family? And what I mean by that is like when you have your blood family, and then you have your, your spiritual family, and how are people going to take this? And we kind of came to the conclusion Amen. Yes. Yes. And both because the nuclear family, the, the, the blood family that you have is a gift that God has given all of us to declare his glory and to show us what real spiritual family looks like. We cannot operate as a spiritual family as the church without the foundation of the nuclear family, of the blood family, your your wife, your husband, your mother, your father, your kids, your aunts, your uncles, your your family that God has blessed you with. And so today we're going to look at what it means to be family together. And y'all know our mission is this, to love God passionately and love people personally. And like Pastor Mike talked about at the very beginning, our church, that's no longer just a vision, that's a reality. We're seeing that we are personally connecting with and loving one another. If you're not a part of a small group, I would encourage you to get connected into a community group. I mean, one of the things y'all, Michael, tell you an announcement at the very end today, we are going to have a church family meeting next Sunday. And part of that is to talk about how do we continue to set ourselves up here as a church here at 3233 Loyola Drive to to carry out our mission to love God passionately and love people personally here in University City how do we how do we grow and invest in the next generation and how do we multiply on mission that's our continued vision as a church family and and we are looking forward to to making some plans together and taking some risks together and investing together towards that purpose because y'all know what the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few and there are many many children and families in this community that need Jesus and we are going to do everything short of sin so that they hear that good message of who Jesus is 
And so what we see here is now Paul, as he addresses uh, Jew and Gentile coming together as spiritual family, now he gets down to the brass tacks of how does that, how does the good news of Jesus, how does it affect the nuclear family? How does it affect the blood family that God has given you? So let's read together in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 6, verse 4. Wives, submit to your husband. Oh, great, right? Wives, submit to that. Great thing for a, for a man up here to, to, to preach about, right? Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the, head, uh, is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands and everything. Husbands, love your wives. Now, you might have thought those couple of verses, or those three verses were hard. Now, Paul moves on to the husbands. He uses a lot more verses to talk to the husbands. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of the water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides for it and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Todd, you ready? You ready, bud? If y'all know, Todd's getting married in March, and we celebrate that, right? Yeah. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a mystery that is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum it up, each one is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Now, children, now, now Paul's getting to you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Y'all say amen, right? Amen. Because this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in training and instruction in the Lord. Let's pray real quick. Lord, I thank you so much for bringing us here today. Lord, together as family, Lord, we get to look at what your purpose is for the family. Lord, for husbands and wives and children and, and, and for us to leave a legacy for generations to come and raise up good godly men and women. Lord, we look at this today, Lord, and, and be in this place and remind us of, of the reason we have these words, the reason why we have the Bible, the reason why we have your word in our hands to be reminded of who we are and what you've created us to be. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. The big idea is this. Christ leads the family. Christ leads the family. And I know because of the world that we live in and because we love each other personally, and I know most of you pers on a personal level, uh, if not all of you on a personal level, I do know that even in this room and even reflected here on the pulpit today, we don't all have perfect familial experiences, right? force, there's abandonment, there's hurt, there's pain. I'm, I'm a child of a broken home. My mother's sitting here today. My father's in glory. 
Uh, but apart from Jesus, uh, I, I couldn't say that, right? My father was abusive when I was a kid. My mother put up with it for nearly a decade and then ended up separating him. I'm a child of a broken home. And I understand when you read these verses, it hits hard to some people. I remember when Pastor Easley, my, my childhood pastor, would preach on these verses. I, I didn't like it that much. Because it talked about a good father, and I didn't see my father at that time as quite a good father. I had this longing inside of me. Praise God that God got a hold of my father and restored my father, and my father's now in glory with him. But, you know, we read these verses, and it doesn't all sound good. It doesn't all sound perfect. Wives, submit to your husbands. Well, what if your husbands aren't godly men? What if they're abusive? What if they're telling you to worship a false god? Husbands, love your wives. Well, what if your wife is unfaithful? Children, obey your parents. What if your parents are trying to get you to do unlawful things? Do y'all get how the, how the world and our experience ultimately sin complicates God's design for what family is always intended to be? But what Jesus does is Jesus doesn't just work in our systems. Jesus doesn't just work did you know the Lord transcends time and space? His truth is truth for all time. And so what Paul here, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, does is he peers into the institutions of the time, and he says, this is what God has called you and I to do. God has called us, even in a harsh system, a harsh system like the Greco-Roman Empire that, that, the, Jew, that, that the, the Jews and the early followers of Jesus found themselves in, what Paul is doing is peering into this highly patriarchal system. If y'all didn't know, uh, you know, when I say highly patriarchal, I'm not even talking about biblical patriarchs. I'm talking about a system that demeaned women, that elevated men above all, and that, did you know, if children disobeyed their parents during this time, they could even be they, serious consequences, not just discipline and losing your video games. I was talking with our kids about this last night. They could be jailed or even put to death. Individual rights meant nothing. But what does God do in the midst of this? He peers into the system. He says, this is how you honor me. This is my design. If you go back to Genesis chapters 1 through 3, I highly encourage you. We did a sermon series to kick off last year. It was called Formed. And we looked at Genesis 1 through 3, and we talked about God's design for men and women and, and, what God, and how sin entered the world and how we are to redeem the sin that has entered the world and give glory to God. And I would encourage you, go back, find that sermon series, listen to it. You can look it up on YouTube. Search uh, Family Church NOLA, Family Church Kenner. And you can find it. it we did a, we did a, a, a I say we, I'm, I'm praising myself. I don't mean that. But like uh, me and, and Larry and Todd and the group that delivered the message, we just dove, dove big into Genesis 1 through 3. Because here's the reason why our world struggles today with what male and female and what husband and wife and child, what all of that means is because God designed it a certain way. Sin messed it all up. 
And if we can't get Genesis 1 and 2 right, then it's a hard thing. If we can't redeem what God has created, it's a hard thing to get to where God wants us to be. Christ leads the family. And we'll start out here in verses 23 through 24 where we're talking about the wives. And here's the ideal that we get from it. Part of our identity. If Christ leads the family first, we model submission. We model submission. I get it. Submission's a cuss word nowadays because we're individualistic. None of us like to submit. If you think that we're naturally inclined to submit, have children, right? We're not inclined to submit. Did you know there's actually a verse in, in, in the book of Hebrews that says, submit to your leaders, they're keeping watch over your souls. Let them do this with joy and groan, and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Do you think it's, it's easy for a pastor to get up and read those verses and say, submit to me? Is it hard, is, is it easy to read verses and say, wives, submit to your husbands? That's not easy. It's not easy because we live in a broken world. We have broken leaders. We have broken husbands. We have broken children. We have broken wives. But God never intended it to be that way. God meant us to beautifully complement one another. We are all made in his image. Do you get that? God created us in his image, Genesis 1. Male and female, he created them. So here's the thing. The Bible is not outdated. If anything, the Bible is very gospel-oriented. The Bible doesn't outdate and it doesn't predate. The, the Bible represents who God is, and God is true. God never changes. Hebrews 13, he is the same today, yesterday, and forever, right? He never changes. So just because society changes, God's intention for his creation does not change. We model submission. Because if we can't submit to earthly institutions, if we can't submit to what God has called us and designed us for, how are we ever going to submit to him and his will that he has for each of us? Verse 22, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. The word there for submit, hypotasso, means, it doesn't mean inferiority. Sometimes we think submission means that you're second tier or that you're inferior. Did not Jesus submit to the will of his father? Did he? Did he not? Are you, if you think submission means inferiority or second tier status, are you willing to subscribe that to Jesus Christ? Otherwise, you might be busting the, hells, uh, the gates of hell wide open and staying there, you know? Submission doesn't mean second-tier status. God has designed us to beautifully complement one another just how the Trinity complements one another. We were talking about this in group on Thursday night, how the Holy Spirit is, 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 is Jesus left. He says, to my benefit that I go, because the Holy Spirit, a helper, is going to come. And the Holy Spirit now indwells us as believers. And the Holy Spirit brings these words alive in us. And these words lead us to the throne of God. And there's one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Christ Jesus, Hebrews tells us, right? 
We work, we love, we play, we honor, we worship God the Father who, who in the Godhead beautifully complements his own design. Paul talks about a great mystery of Jew and Gentile or a great mystery of how marriage and the home reflects God's glory and his love for the church. A mystery, a mystery, right? The Trinity is a mystery. We don't get it all the times, but God supersedes what we think. God supersedes the plans that we can make. And we are called, if you look, let's look at the last verse that we read last week. 521 it says submitting to one another in the fear of christ part of submission is that wives submit to their husbands part of submission is that husbands love their wives part of submission is that children obey their parents part of submission like pastor michael gets you next week talking about uh, of our work and our ethics that we have in Christ. Did you know that during this time, I'm not going to steal too much of Mike's thunder, but during this time, slaves were a part of the household. And so you'll see that then Paul goes in, he talks about slaves, obey your human masters, and on and on, masters, treat your slaves with honor. And I like the translations that say bondservant, because Mike will get into that next week, because when we think slavery and biblical slavery, two different things. But what Paul is getting at is this. He is not affirming that any institution used that the benefit of demeaning another person is right. He's not doing that. What do you, he, you will never find one place in the Bible that says slavery is right. What Paul is doing in here is he's peering in to what the culture looks like, and he's saying this is how the gospel supersedes it. This is how the gospel changes it. This is how the good news of Jesus forms and shapes who we are. So first he calls on the subordinate to submit to authority, but then he reminds the superior to exercise this authority considerably and in the mutual love and respect that Jesus Christ displayed not only to God the Father, but by giving of himself for us on the cross. We model submission. This goes all the way back to creation. The Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper for him. And maybe you think helper is demeaning. Well, wait, that means I'm second tier. I'm helper. I can't lead. What does that mean? Did you know that God himself is called Israel's helper? Helpers are important. Helpers mirror God's design. And so the man's like, I haven't found a helper yet. And then God says, causes him to go to sleep. Genesis chapter 2, and he calls him to go to sleep, and then he takes his rib and he forms the woman. And then the man, it says, the man says, this one at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She would be called woman because she was taken out of the man. This is why a man leaves his father and bonds with his wife, and they become one flesh. You see, all that Adam could do when he saw the helper that came to him, he said, this one at last, right? At last, my love has come along, right? My lonely days are over. You see, Etta James knew what she was getting at, right? It all goes back to Adam. All he could do was sing when he sees who God created for him. 
If you think women are inferior, think about this. It is only until the woman is created that God then rests, right? But we, to lift up women, we don't have, we don't, y'all get in society, to lift women up, sometimes we feel as if we have to demean men. Everybody loves Raymond, right? The man's a blumbling idiot. That's what a lot of our sitcoms are, right? We don't see many strong, godly men in our, portrayed in our world today. Y'all notice that in media. If you've been a long, li- long, 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 alive long enough, you've no- I, I'm getting there. You know, you'll see that in order to lift someone else up, we feel as if we have to tear the other system down. But the Bible affirms women in what was quite radical for its time. Women mirror the character and image of God. No, men and women aren't the same, but they are equal in God's eyes and their glory in both genders. Alexander Strzok writes, God designed male and female distinctions in order for the sexes to beautifully complement one another. To deny those distinctions and roles is as destructive and dishonorable as it is to discriminate against women. Wives, submit to your husbands, ask the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he is the savior of the body. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything, in everything as long as it does not violate God's word. 1 Peter 3, 1 and 7 says this, In the same way, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that even if some disobey the word, they may be won over over without a word by the way their wives live when they observe their pure and reverent lives. Do not let your beauty consist merely of outward things like elaborate hairstyles and wearing gold jewelry and fine clothes, but rather what is inside the heart, the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For in the past, the holy women who put their hope in God adorned themselves in this way, submitting to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. You have also become her children. You do what is good and do not fear any intimidation. The world will tell you that this is not the right way. Peter knew. He said, don't fear any intimidation. Husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker partner, showing them honor as co-heirs of grace of life so that your prayers will not be hindered. I've used this analogy before. In, the, in my house, it's like we're, we're driving on a trip somewhere. Laura and I t- like taking road trips. It's a little chaotic, especially when we have the dogs, right? It's, yeah. Because not only do you have like three little bladders that have to, you know, stop every, every moment, but the dogs, you know, dogs are dogs, you know. So I remember like after Hurricane Ida, how many trips did we make to Texas? Like two, three, four, something like that. It was terrible. It's horrendous, you know. But when we're on a trip somewhere, usually, usually I'm the one driving. Doesn't mean that Laura can't drive. It just means that I can stay awake longer than Laura can stay awake, right? It's true. Not demeaning her. That's just it. So, like, I like to use an analogy. It's like, my hand's on the wheel. But Laura's like, you know what? 
we don't need to go this way. How good of a husband would I be if I said, shut up, woman, we're going this way? I wouldn't be a good husband, would I? We make all of our decisions together. But the authority rests with me as the head of the house. In no way does that make Laura less of a partner in the household. Because you know what? If mama don't like it, it don't get done. And if y'all don't know it, Mike and I, you know, we're even preparing for our, our, our family meeting next week, which we're going to look at some decisions we need to make together as a church and some vision. You know what Mike and I did when we first started talking about some of these things that came up? We called our wives. And you know what? Since we're going to put something on them that required some work, we took them to Cheesecake Factory, you know? And we sat down and we talked through it together. Because you know what? Mike and Dean don't just make the decisions. God has complimented Mike and Julie and Dean and Laura to lead together. So wives, submit to your husbands doesn't mean that you listen to everything that they tell you to do. What it does mean is it's a heart that's inclined to honor and respect your husband and lift them up and not tear them down and allow them to fulfill as they're filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the the God-given design that they've been given. All right, that was three verses. Now we have a whole lot of other verses for the men. So we model submission, but we also, we model love. Husbands, love your wives. Do you know the word here for love? Y'all know in the Greek how they have four different forms of love in the Bible. The word for love here is agapeo. Agape, right? So God is calling on husbands to love their wives just as he loves us. That's not easy. What separates brotherly love and, 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 and familial love and, and all of that, what, what separatic love, what separates godly love is there's something about godly love. Godly love is sacrificial. Godly love builds the other person up rather than tearing them down. Godly love is meant to make us holy more than happy. Gary Thomas has a great book I highly encourage you to read at some point called Sacred Marriage. And he posits this question. He says, what if God designed marriage to make us holy more than he did to make us happy? What if you know, I love Billy Graham once said, he said, if two people agree, agree on everything, you know what? One of them's not necessary. Just think about that. If two people agree on everything, you know what? One of them's not necessary. But God knew that man wasn't good alone, so he created a helper. And he created them. Friction's not bad, right? Iron sharpens iron. Just because iron grinds against iron doesn't mean it's, it ceases to be iron. Do you know what I mean? So we are called to sharpen one another. We are called to, to, to work with one another. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. It is when we repent. It is when we give ourselves over to Christ that the Holy Spirit changes us, that the Holy Spirit indwells us, that the Holy Spirit leads us into greater understanding of who God is. And without tearing a little bit down, can we not 
not be built up in his presence and in his spirit. So we are washed by the water with his word. The word here is rhema in the Greek. Rhema means the proclamation of truth. So it's, we are washed. Baptism, if you didn't know this, baptism means to be immersed. And so when we follow Jesus, we're immersed in water as a public sign to what God has called us to do. But the Spirit baptizes us and immerses us into the truth of who God has called us to be. And that's illuminated. That's a word from, from the other night, right, Mike? That's illuminated. Y'all need to be in small groups. It's awesome. Yeah, that's illuminated by God's rhema, his proclaimed word. So you know what, husbands? You have the, you have the responsibility to lead your household well. That means you are called to be students of the word. You know what? I don't like to read. I'm not Todd. Like, like that's how Todd and I compliment each other and different one another. I don't like to read. I have a book on Revelation I've been reading in preparation for a sermon series that we're going to do. I'm like two years into it. It's like 800 pages. Like, I mean, gosh, I don't know how anybody could read that much. You know, like, I don't like to read. I'll confess, you know, the Bible says we're supposed to confess our sins to one another. What do they call them now? Spark notes. Well, when I was around, they called them cliff notes. You know what? I read a lot of cliff notes. I don't like to read. I think Where the Red Fern Grows. Anybody ever read that book? I think Where the Red Fern Grows is the only book I ever read cover to cover, other than the Bible. Now, I got there eventually. It took, took a while, but, but I got there. I don't like to read. But you know what? There's something about God's word that comes alive. It's not just reading. It's not tedious. It's, there's something spiritual about it, right? The, the word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword, right? That two-edged sword cuts to, the, cuts to the point, right? To the division of bone and marrow. And we are called men. In the context of marriage, we are called to wash over our wives and our families with the word of God. We model love. 1 John 4, 8 says, if anyone does not love, he does not know God because God is love. Conflict isn't the measure of a marriage. Love is the measure of marriage. Love is sacrificial. Love is giving. And, and Paul here, he quotes Genesis 2, 24 of, of the two becoming one flesh because in the context of marriage, husband and wife are now one body. And marriage, and then Paul says, you know what? I'm talking about mystery. I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's because marriage is supposed to be the greatest gospel proclamation that our world can visibly see. Because marriage is redemptive. Marriage is unified. Marriage lays down our own rights for each other and builds one another up rather than tearing the other person down. You know, Paul talks about, about uh, it says in the same way, husbands love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hates his own flesh, but cares for it just as Christ does the church. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be bonded with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. That is the gospel proclamation that our world desperately needs now. Y'all know we live in a world that is broken when it comes to the nuclear family. Divorce rates are high. Abuse rates are high. 
it's probably not an accident that anxiety is at an all-time high. The only answer to that is a godly marriage, is a godly design. It's not perfect. Ask my kids. I beat their butts every now and then. Like, you know what? It's not perfect. We, we all make mistakes. But if you were to ask my kids about me, they will tell you that when I make a mistake, I repent even to them sometimes. Because God calls us to mutually submit to one another out of love. Ray Ortland, we read a book a few weeks ago as a staff. He writes in his book called The Gospel. It should be up on the screen. He says, yet it's not as though we were attractive. Christ saw us and sees us as we really are unclean. This reminded of the book of Isaiah, right? Isaiah encounters a living God, and he's, he says, Woe to me, I am undone, I am unclean, right? It's not as though we were attractive. Christ sees us and sees us as we really are as unclean. Christ's eternal love and sacrificial death had a purpose, to sanctify the church. His love is too great to have allowed us to go on with our self-centered lives. When men look for a bride, they often look for a beauty queen. But Christ chose the dirty one who needed his cleaning. The gospel is not the story of Christ loving a pure bride who loves him. It's the story of his love for a whore who thinks he has nothing to offer, but yet he gives himself to and, and, and keeps giving herself to others. Get out of the brothel of this world where everything is for sale. Everything has a price. Come into the eternal marriage where you will no longer be bought and sold, but loved and cherished. We're not married to a dead and helpless Jesus, but to a living and powerful Jesus. We don't worship a God that goes after the beauty queen. We worship a God that, and Ray Ortland, when he was writing, I, I skipped over, I had to skip around because a big passage. He apologizes even for the harsh language, but it's harsh because it's in the Bible, the book of Hosea. God doesn't go after the beauty queen. God goes after the least of these. And God makes her whole. And did you know we as the church, men, even us, we as the church, we are the bride of Christ. And we see in the book of Revelation, new heaven, new earth come down, chapter 21, and then verse 3. It says, and then I saw a new Jerusalem. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven like a bride adorned for her husband. We are called into an eternal union with God the Father. And it's through this washing that he takes our dirty garments and makes them white as snow. We model submission. We model love. And lastly, we model obedience. Submission and obedience are two different things. Submission and love are two different things. Love and obedience are two different things. But if you do all of them together, if you're truly obedient, you will love. If you truly love, you will submit. And if you submit, you can't help but love and obey. This is how the family declares the glory of God. Children, obey your parents and the Lord because this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise so that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. 
Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. Paul repeats the fifth commandment to honor father and mother, to exemplify what the household should look like. Yes, children were required by law to submit to their parents and to obey their parents, but God calls us to a greater submission, a greater love, and a greater obedience. We submit and we honor our families. It's kind of like my father I just told you about. My father didn't necessarily uh, like deserve to be obeyed. My father didn't necessarily deserve to be honored. But you know what? The Bible said to do it anyway. And as a young man, I'm sure I didn't do it all the time, but as I became older, as the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, God said, honor your father, even though he doesn't deserve it. And you know what? In his latter years, my father even led me well. He showed me what sacrificial service, what sacrificial love looked like. Don't give up. Do what God has called you to do. You see, the family, the Christian household is not meant to be a burden. The Christian household is meant to be a blessing upon generations and generations and generations to come. God calls us to submit, to love, and to obey. Because we don't lead the family. Christ leads the family. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are.